Why are you guys staring at my chest? I can't. <laughs> I have to say, it, this is probably the best you've ever looked. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look extremely it's attractive. You look smarter. It's the shirt. I love that shirt. It's the it's the mind pump. What do you, what would we call this? This is like it's the breaking it's like bad alchemy. Mind, it's the breaking. It's the periodic table. It fits you perfect. It's so perfect for your shirt. It's yeah. it's it's a nice looking shirt. Yeah, nerdy Sal it's very sciencey has his own shirt now. It's the mind pump shirt with the uh, elements on. Yeah. Uh, it kind of looks science. It looks a little bit like the Breaking Bad thing. Yeah. I love it. A little it bit does. like that. Yeah. I love it. You can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. It's the new mind pump. I don't know what we're going to call it. Sal shirt. Alchemy Sal's shirt. evil genius. Yeah, alchemy yep. shirt. There alchemy. you go. Alchemy shirt. If you're on the forum, it's 50% off. 50% so off for forum members only. That's right. Everybody else, uh, you still get a good price on it. Shirt just went live. It's uh, up on the website, mindpumpmedia.com. Go get it. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I feel like somebody comes in our studio and uses my microphone when we're not here. Yours <laughs> is your microphone? If I find out who that motherfucker is, dude, I'm going to really? get his ass. This time it was yeah, me. Yeah, because every time I, I feel like I have to read put my balls on everything. It. Do you? That, don't tell him, Justin. If I it's, catch you guys finding my mic, my nuts I use my on. mic. We uh, what we do is we. That's why I want to get my own. We use your mic as a as a buffer. <laughs> He's get a rhinestone. Are we ready? Much. Are we ready for custom mics yet? I feel yeah. like we are. Listen, me. If and we're going full time. I want custom mic. Well, you're probably going to want Bedazzled. that dazzled because me and Justin, yeah, me and Justin use your mic as yeah. a buffer when we scissor. We do. Each other. We need we need something to help. It's to like a, stimulate. It's like a little cheese grater. Mm, your yeah. face is disgusting. Yeah. Adam's huh? been here before. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Let's, let's see if he notices. Yeah. Remember remember last time Adam got on the mic and he's like he's like my mic yeah. smells oh, what familiar. The, what's the? I know what that is. What is that? God, I smelled that before. It smells it's like not cheese. old cheese. <laughs> it's not old cheese. It's kind of like yeah. It's kind of cheesy with like Seriously? a rotten salmon smell. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's pecorino it's romano. It's kind of like, you know that paste? You know the All paste right. that used to like, you know, eat as a kid? What? What? Did you eat paste when you were a kid? Yeah. Every kid did. I never ate and paste. And Play-Doh. I never ate paste. Bullshit. I, I swarm. I ate dog food. What is wrong with you? But I never ate paste. You ate dog food? I ate dog food yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, that's weird. You never I tried- ate a milk bone. You know, okay, so, you- yeah, so I guess that, that counts, huh? <laughs> so there you go. You uh, never tried dog food? No, man. It all tastes the same. Yeah, it's like the worst. It's uh, weird. Thing about dog food is, it's like the worst, like leftovers ever. Like, I thought they, they cut up horses. Isn't that what dog food is? What is it? They Probably. cut up horses. Yeah. Horses? Yeah. No. Yeah. They serve them horse meat. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Not anymore. I think they used to. Yeah, yeah they did. You know, so so here's the thing. I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I don't have a dog, but I've had dogs in the past, and uh, we all we always talk about like healthy eating and you know eat whole food you know whole natural food. Dog food is super processed food, and it's dogs horrible. live on that shit. I know, like that's all they eat. It'd yeah. be like having a kid. They don't live long. It'd be like having a kid and giving them cereal like well, twenty four hours a day. My, I know. My, yes, bo- my boys aren't on that. Terrible. They're on a fifty fifty diet. Fifty fifty diet. Meat, What's that? Meat and carbs. That's how. <laughs> no, they're they're half they're half raw and half dog food. What's the raw? chicken or fish or whatever i have so you actually cook them food and, and put it in the dog food well no i don't cook them i buy it like that you can buy it you can buy raw you can buy raw dog food like that that's just it's frozen so you can raw dog you defrost it, it and mm-hmm. then you feed it to them and plus the dog food 
and you mix it with the dog food or like half sometimes or whatever? One and one. So you have one one meal is I do is just dog food. And actually that dog food that I buy actually has uh, frozen chunks of raw food in it also. And then I give them raw. So I'm probably a little more like 60, 40. How much, would you, how much would you estimate your dog food bill cost? Oh, Why do you got to get into that stuff? I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> They're expensive, expensive dogs. Yeah, you don't want to talk about it? Way. Yeah, I'd rather not because I don't want to hear you go like, oh my God, no. I can't believe yeah. you spend that much on them. No, That's it's ridiculous. Your, it's your dog. <laughs> uh, it's your dogs. If you're gonna spend I money, a Jetta. <clears throat> well, we call we call Mozzie the 10k dog. Oh, okay, because he's 10k just in surgeries alone. Uh, so I, yeah, if it's your come on, you love them. That's different. Yeah, no, like, it's not like when you spend like a thousand dollars on your those are my tennis kids, shoes. That's you know? way so, different. Yeah, no, this they. Um, I don't know. Honestly, uh, God, it's so bad, right? I don't. I don't calculate. I guess we could sit here and figure it out. You know, they go through. They go through a bag probably every two weeks, and the bag's a you know hundred dollar bag of dog food. So wow, that's not bad. Yeah, it's mm. not like no, that's nothing. You know. I wish my grocery bill was that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the dog's grocery bill. So my my grocery bill is a little much. Well, so yeah, you eat a lot more yeah. than your dogs do. Yeah, yeah they, and I actually you people think I'm weird, but I actually feed my dogs according to their activity level. I feed them the same way I would feed. Why wouldn't you? I'd do the same thing. And we talked about this. Very few people do that. Yeah, though. and people aren't like restrictive with it. They're no. just like, oh, the bowl's empty. We got to keep filling the bowl. Yeah, exactly. They just, oh, like, huh? they, they, or they read the back of it and My says, dog's okay, fat. I don't for a 75 fat. pound dog, they yeah. get four cups and they just give them four. I'm like, wait a second. How yeah. does that? That doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, if, if your you, dog's not active. Out, yeah, they went out, you took them on the beach running for a day versus yeah, the day they slept on. Yeah, there's a total right. difference. I hate to say this though, but fat. Dogs are adorable. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something very cute. They're very cuddly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love fat dogs. It's nah, bad. And it's like horrible. Dogs. Horrible I'm, to say that. Well, you can say that about people, too. Fat people yeah, are cute they and cuddly. Are, yeah, huh? Fat people are some cute. Dough there to yeah, snuggle up to. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get, you get like, a, like a wiener. I saw a wiener dog once, and it looked. Like his legs, his belly was almost too big for his legs to touch the floor. Oh, it was yeah. the cutest thing I ever seen in my life. See, I see that. And I there, think there sad. is something to do that. Huh? I think I think sad. I see that. I go, like, you're killing your dog. You didn't even know it. He probably lived with you for another year. He's or two struggling. He's panting. It so. is sad, but it's adorable too. <laughs> it's, it's like adorable sad. It's adorable and sad. It's both. Yeah. It's mixed emotions. No, I agree. You know what I'm saying? I I think the future. I really do believe. I, I mean, look what we, in our time, just our generation. Mm -hmm. Look how people are with their animals now. Then what? Right. I mean, when I was a kid, you didn't even pick up dog shit. Like that was just the dog shits. The dog shits. It's true. Just, right. Yeah. Yeah, doggy bag. Doggy bags and picking up dog shit didn't happen. I mean, you picked up shit in your yard. If your isn't dog it, isn't it like fer it's like fertilizer? Why don't you just leave it? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like oh. you, you would normally leave it, but now we, we now it's like oh my. Heaven and now forbid. you can't even take a dog on like a regular trail because oh it's going to disturb the natural you know whatever forest animal situation you got going on there. It's no like, way. Dude, I swear to God. Like, there's so many beautiful trails in Santa Cruz and you can't even take a dog with you. Are you kidding me? It's going to disturb the raccoons and the fucking squirrels. And so what happens if a human, like, what happens when you take a piss in Exactly. The What's the difference? Yeah. I got him on a leash. <laughs> yeah. That's, I didn't know that. It's, it is silly. Silly hippie nonsense. I am so bummed I couldn't get those shoes that you sent me a picture bro, of. Bro, I tried really hard. The too. Nintendo ones? I know, I, I'm bummed too. I yeah. knew you'd like those. Oh, right away. I bro. saw them and I'm like, oh, this is Adam. Where'd you see him? Uh, this place, Old School Shoes in Santa Cruz. It's called Old School Shoes? Uh huh. Oh, well, just go back there. He already went. Yeah, I went and went they didn't me. have his size. Oh, yeah. shit. They didn't have a size nine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, Do I look like a size nine? Small, Do I look like a size nine? Petite feet. <laughs> they're pretty big feet, but they're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Little baby feet. Yeah. No, they did not have my size. And I, though, you know what? Those are. The, I love when you find like a pair of sneakers like that because 
I you won't ever see it on anybody else's feet. You won't see no, those. No, yeah, and yeah. That's what you got to be the right person to rock those. Man. Oh, those yeah. are sick. Are they all custom? Is that what they? They're Mario Brothers. Yeah. But yeah. they were cool. But they were loud. But yeah. I mean, who? But yeah. so Nintendo made them. It wasn't the place that no, made no, them. No, no, no. Vans. They're van shoes. Yeah. But uh, van, you they remember took the a print? Yeah, the van. Vans did the whole contract with Nintendo, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Dude, yeah. can we talk about Pokemon Go? No. Do we have to? I don't Bro. want to because I feel like everybody is eight eight billion dollars. Mm. Eight Not, yeah, billion to, dollars straight to Google because Google's the one that created it. Nintendo stock went fucking through the roof. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah they they teamed up. Well, because you know what? What actually like brought that to market was uh, like initially. Google was playing around with their maps, and they put a little bit of an augmented reality spin to it, and people lost their shit. And so it's like they got all this like feedback and market research because they're Google. And they were like, oh, shit, we guess we should make an app out of this. And then, boom, it just took off in overnight. You know, we were that doesn't happen with anything. Did you everybody. guys see the video, the Central Park video? Apparently, uh, there was like a rare Pokemon that appeared at Central Park. Yeah, and they rushed it. They showed it. Bro, everybody rushed it was them. it was fucking pandemonium. Was like, like people are ru you know, running over each other trying oh to get over there. It, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs when you look at what, what people go fucking crazy over and then there's crazy shit going well, on nobody can care less about. Let's be honest. It, it, it goes to show you that everybody has their own flavor. Right, like mm. this is something that motivates a different type of a person. You oh, know? you mean to exercise? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so there's there's part of that for me. Like, and and I, I well, this is why I'm for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, all for I'm it. like, cool. It's getting people off their ass, but I mean, it it really is like the most introductory of steps possible. You know, well, we, I mean, yeah, you and I for sure. This is close to home. Yeah, exactly. We, we've been in the app world now for a couple of years now, and. I remember when we were developing ours of going like, you know, gamifying fitness, but making it so simple that a three-year-old could could do it. Right. And the, the the objective is just to get them to move more, right? To get them to move more, to exercise and and find a creative way to do it. I mean, they hit a whole fucking home run. They down. did hit a home run. It was it was brilliant. This kid okay, on Friday, right? And we go out to dinner. Katrina and I are uh eating at the we're downtown Campbell. Mm -hmm. We're eating outside. Beautiful night. It's like six or seven o'clock at night, <clears throat> maybe a little later. And everybody, it's packed in Campbell on Friday night like that. There's this kid, he's walking down the strip and he's got a sign, big white sign. And it's like three Pokemon logos and he's selling t-shirts and he's like selling to people that are sitting at dinner, eating outside in Campbell. And he's walking up and down the strip, get your Pokemon team shirts, get your Pokemon team shirts and like 12 or 16 bucks. I don't remember. So I see him and that struck up conversation. We we meet a couple right next to us who just happened to like we all kind of chuckled when he went by, right? And we're like, this crazy guy. They were forty something year old. They were like forty two years old. And we start talking about the whole crave and that was conversation for dinner. Well then we're walking, like after uh Katrina and I intend we eat downtown Campbell, it's kind of our tradition. We eat there and then we walk the strip for, you know, half hour, whatever kind of walk after dinner. And we run into the kid and I have to stop him and talk to him. I'm just curious. How old does he look? Uh he looks like he's probably 20 okay yeah okay 22 at the oldest maybe as young as 19 somewhere in that range and uh full of energy and i stop him i say hey man come here i was like what are you selling he goes, oh i'm selling t-shirts man I'm selling t-shirts you want one and i'm like no i don't even know that i've never even seen the game i just know he's like oh let me show you so he pulls his app up and he shows me the whole game and how it works and the whole concept mm. and i'm like man i'm really fascinated with uh what you're doing though i think that's pretty crazy that this just came out and you're already 
hustling sure on it. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, oh no, definitely, dude. He goes, well, my full time job. And he's like talking about his full time job. He wraps cars and everything like that. And then uh, he's like, yeah, but this shirt. I'm like, it's pretty smart, dude. Did he's you like, get this kid's name and number? Yeah, I actually did. I've, of course. I, of course. Th- these are the kind of, oh, the kind of kids you want. I stopped yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hire? I, yeah. This kid made two grand this week. Doing that, hustling Pokemon. See, that's it. When I used to manage gyms, that would be the kid that I would recruit to freaking sell memberships. Hundred percent. His personality. He was. He was so not afraid or intimidated to talk to me. He like shared. Shared all his information. He was all excited. I was like, "This is a cool kid." So we connected uh, on Facebook. We linked up. So I have all his info. So love it. Yeah. I. I. But I thought that was pretty. No, he's on it. Like he saw opportunity and he saw an angle and he took it, man. That's so awesome. wow. I, I like that. I love yeah. when I see people, like, especially young, young twenty year old kid like that, see, seeing an opportunity like that, yeah. getting out there on a Friday night when most other his peers are probably out drinking and partying on the same strip. Motherfucker, out there, you know where he's going to be in fifteen. But dude, years. why Pokemon? Why not Zelda? You know what I mean? Ooh, well, or, or like, give it some well, time. Well, let's think about this. Let's I hate Pokemon. from a business perspective. Think about this. <laughs> At this right now, what is happening with if you were Pokemon is the generation right below us, so we really didn't do po- I didn't do Pokemon. Pokemon, well, yeah, we we weren't into it it's, because it wasn't around. Yeah, it was a generation, but uh, was like right that generation this. is twenty five to thirty years old now. Yeah, they all have job. Most of them out of college have careers. They have jobs. They they're have money. Now. Super yeah. into their phones. Yeah, yeah but look what yeah, else they're selling. Isn't Nintendo it. selling? Uh, the the original NES again, but smaller yep. and preloaded with like oh, 100 you bet your games. ass on buying that. Yeah. yeah, because their original players were us, and now we're in our 30s. And and, yeah, money and and, and, and what's what's a hundred nostalgia? Something. Yeah, what's a yeah. hundred two hundred? I already bought it. I bought it like five years ago. I well, it's re- the same thing with I Hasbro. Re- all the old Nintendo stuff. I have the whole game set up and all a bunch of games. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll dig it out. I sold them. mine to my best friend like when I moved to college, and I was just like, no. It, like he has everything. See that's when that's when you were that's when playing video games took real skill and I'll tell you I know I just pissed everybody <laughs> off but I'll tell you why uh, yeah, because when you turn that shit off it your game hard, there's dude. no saving that shit game was over <laughs> yeah. start over next unless time. you wrote down the code like for Metroid you know, no like, let yeah. me let me tell you right now gaming now compared to what it was then is like crazy another level that's actually what made me fall off of game I was a gamer mm-hmm. all the way all yeah. the way up until I was close to thirty years old. And part of it just got so overwhelming for me that if you were not like a daily gamer, you couldn't keep up yeah. because you had your skill set. You had to practice it's that totally much a skill. or you would get murdered by these little 12 year olds online. And I just didn't have the time anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. this sucks. I can't even be a weekend warrior. I can't even just like pick up well, my the video older game games play. were all about it was like physics based. So, you know, you, you really had to like yeah, the time when to yeah, push the it button was reflex stuff. Yeah. reflex yeah. driven. It wasn't like. Well, like it is now. Now it's like this immersive fucking like movie experience in high definition. You're like, whoa, seriously, my shit is rumbling. If and, you ah. if you don't if you don't know much about football and you like want to learn football, like li- how the game is played, like p- getting Madden for and learning because oh, yeah. you have to understand schemes. Yeah. You have to know the defense comes out, and you don't just like know what buttons to push. You need to build. Now to you can lob it. it, and you can actually lob it oh. so you go over the defender yes. like you would in the game, as instead of just throwing a direct pass. And, and you and, need to know what yeah. they're at. There are they sitting in a zone? Yeah, your are they man to man? Yeah, yeah. Like you have to know. Yeah. You have to know how to do that, and it like teaches you how to. It's crazy. Wow. Like, yeah. What are you guys talking about? I zoned out there yeah. for a second. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys? See, you were speaking to kids earlier. Did you see the video that I posted on the forum of the? She she's got to be three. 
the three year old. Oh girl, yeah, the Persian girl. The little girl. Yeah. No, it's a boy. It's a boy. Actually. A boy. It's so it's a little. It's a little boy. Yeah, yeah. Three years old. Oh, oops. I think he's three. Three or four. I mean, that's I'm. I'm no, my he's best three. guess. He's three. This he's is barely, he's barely three. I, okay, so people don't realize this, but there's there, there's geniuses in different types of intelligence. Okay. Yeah. When we think of a, of a child genius, we think of a child that does science real well or maybe music, but there's also the kinesthetic. You know, uh, body mechanic type geniuses, and this little three year old a rat a rat so a r a t a rat period Jim is the Instagram name. This little kid can do the most ridiculous like body manipulation, jumps, backflips, yeah. climbs the wall Climb like wall. a monkey. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean, just his his strength in, in his coordination and proprioception is like. It's, it's, like, it's off the charts. A genius level. Oh, it's very obvious that his dad or... Well, sure, he's trained. But, oh, yeah. But have. I don't care, man. Like, you know, like Mozart was a freaking child genius. Like, you could train me. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Just just to get the kid to even want to try or do that is... But the ability to have the, 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 the brain that can allow that kind of adaptation yeah. to understand where his body is in space and, and, and know how to manipulate and turn it and twist it and jump and crazy. And then the strength. The strength this little kid has, yeah, super fascinating. Yeah, I it, would be interested to see what this kid looks like in like three, four more years. Oh yeah, a little muscle. Little, you know, you little, know who I haven't looked up. Martial artist. Did you ever look up the kid? Um, the little you, kid Hercules or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what he's up to now. Somebody told me that so he's just some steroids in his milk. No, somebody told me he's like just like a normal old plain Jane kid. Somebody was accusing the dad though of giving him uh, giving him that's the like, roids. That's what I heard. There yeah. was stuff like that, but I don't think that was true. <laughs> I think, you know, here's the thing. Frosted flakes. Here's, and, people uh, need D-ball. to realize that every once in a while there's a, an anomaly that is born and they're born with some ridiculous abilities, whether it be you know, like intelligence or, or yeah, something like that, you yeah. know, or physical or whatever. It's just they're born that way and it's just crazy. And, if they, and then if they have the aptitude and the and the ambition, then forget it. They're going to the next level. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk. Uh, we we've run a couple episodes now on particular body parts and how to train them properly. Um, we talked about what did we air, Doug? We aired abs. We talked about abs. We talked about glutes. Ooh, abs um, and ass. Those uh, are the first two. And uh, abs and ass. You know, I want to talk about. Um, you know, Adam, you brought this up. You wanted to cover shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only reason why I. I feel like I want to address shoulders. I've just recently, I've gotten a lot of people. In fact, I, right before I came over here, I was stopped and somebody was asking me a, an issue with their shoulder clicking and making noises when they're exercising or noticing like a dull pain. So I, I think uh, I think shoulders are a really good one to uh, address for sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's a complex area, you know, for movement and, and capacity for movement as far as that goes. Well, right. I would say if you're looking at the kinds of uh, issues that are going to come up with um, consistent long term resistance training, uh, you know, whether you know imbalances and chronic pain. Uh, shoulders got to be one of the top. You know? Shoulders it's, and hips, man. One, it's one got, and two. Well, it's got to be back, you know, like low back. Oh, my low back hurts. And then the other one's shoulder or, or lack mm-hmm. of shoulder mobility. But before we even get into that, um, I think from an aesthetic point of view, um, for men and for women, shoulders uh, probably are near the top. Oh, anytime I take on a client, and especially if you hire me for aesthetic purpose, you like, I want to look a certain way and we're trying to like shape their physique. Posture and shoulders are like my go-to like secret move. 
It really is. Like I, I look at somebody and I'm like, well, I'm going to address their posture. I'm going to build their shoulders and it's going to bring their whole body together. Like they, watch the, watch the confidence. Oh like yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Or, yeah. Just by getting them upright, getting them in a neutral position and, mm. and teaching them how to build their shoulders seriously brings the whole body out. It really does. Well, it's strength. I mean, it, moving, pushing, pulling anything. If you're addressing your shoulder joint as an entire unit and, uh, optimizing its capacity, like, psh, well, know, everything will. I will think benefit. when you know when women um, will compliment other women. This is one thing. This is something I noticed a long time ago. Women will will bring me a picture or will compliment another woman and say, "Oh, she's got great arms. She's got great arms. Or, I like her arms." It's not the arms that it's are the standing shoulders, out. Yeah. It's the shoulders. It's the Michelle Obama shoulders. When it comes to women, yeah, yeah, exactly. When it comes to women, um, you know, if you're if you get really nicely developed delts and you're relatively lean. The whole arm, the whole arm takes on a new look. Well, I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, this has been uh, for me. I was I was always known for my arms, because, and that's just because when I was a kid, that's all I fucking trained was bicep, tricep, bicep, mm-hmm. tricep every single day, right? So I, I've developed these larger arms in comparison to my other body parts. Well, when I got into competing and symmetry is is important and not having big ass arms you know you have to be symmetrical i laid off of them and i started to really really put a lot of emphasis on my shoulders it was amazing right now i get the most compliments i've ever had on my arms and my arms are smaller than they have been in 10 years it's because your delts probably it's because my delts yeah. and it just it just brings out the the, the definition because it separates it's separate mm. if you build a really good deltoid it separates out from the buy and try and it really makes them look great it's amazing well it's funny now that we're talking about it this way I think mm. we can kind of break up this conversation we're gonna have on shoulders into two main categories there's the aesthetic conversation and then we'll have the like the functional, uh, you know, functional conversation, which, uh, which the by the way, the functional mobility side of it is going to contribute very greatly to the. Oh, aesthetic I was say also. they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. But the reason why I wanted to start with aesthetics is because, from a when you look at a shoulder, what makes it look impressive is the balance of it. It's not necessarily even the size of it. Mm-hmm. It's the balance of the shoulder, and does it look round, especially from the side. Because there's a lot of shoulders out there that you see that are very well developed in the front, and they are they, they lack the rear deltoid, and so they don't have that round look. Um, and I know a lot of people, a lot of bodybuilders in particular, who, particular who focus a lot on the lateral head of the of the shoulder, the side head. Um, but it's really the rear delt that they should work on. That's the one from mm. a, from a from an aesthetic point of view. That's the one most underdeveloped part of the shoulder that I see that that causes you know that's giving people shoulders that don't look round. Is they don't have rear delts or good rear delts. Well, and I would argue that a good majority of that has to do with the lack of mobility and the. It's uh, not the, activating. Uh, yeah, they're not activating. They're in a protracted it's position. Dormant. Yep, it's they're in a protracted position. So when they do exercise like seated row, or even when they do like rear laterals or do things that I can't believe I just said rear laterals because of this one. Boom! 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 Come on, man! I can't believe I just yeah. said it. My my, lexi- my, my lexicon. Yeah. Is, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I caught it right away when Damn I said it. I just fucking said that. Yeah, this guy. Uh, so what do you call them? Your rear flies. You. Rear flies. Yeah, yeah. So like when you're doing rear flies for the rear delts, you know, some people um, are having a hard time activating. It, you know, or if they're doing a seated row or any other movement that they're trying to engage their rear delts, it's like Sal or like Justin said, they're just dormant. So. You know, this is where, you know, realigning and really working on mobility and that posture 
plays a huge role in how they're going to look. Right. And, and addressing that is really going to help the posture. You know, it, it's going to pull everything back and, and, and build that that bracing stability around the joint that, you know, you're, you're really not going to have that kind of support if you're not addressing your rear delts. And yeah. that's something really important. Yeah. When I, you know, uh, when why don't I was... You just, why don't you explain, too, why don't you break up the shoulder that, you know, it's three... It's three primary parts to it, and, and yeah, it's you have function. The, yeah, the anterior head, you have the lateral head, and then the posterior head, which is you know basically three heads to the shoulder, um, the one on the back, the one on the side, and one on the front. You know, when I was a kid, I forgot. I, I would read religiously Flex magazine and Muscle and Fitness, and there was an article, and I don't remember the bodybuilder who wrote it, but he basically said to look good on stage, you need to work your rear delts a lot, and that's the one body part that that's the one part of your shoulders to make your shoulders round. So I used to start every workout with a rear fly or a rear lateral, as I like to call them. Um, and as a result, I think over the years, um, you know, my shoulders are probably one of my better body parts, but it's my rear delts that really stand out quite a bit. Um, and it's because I started every single workout with a focus or an emphasis on that, or at least I always included it. The thing is, too, when you look at people's shoulder routines... Um, they rarely will include something for the posterior head of the, you know, the deltoid. See, that's interesting because it just it, intuitively, I would before I would do a, a heavy shoulder day, like I would make sure to really activate my rear delt. So I would do like pull apart, so yep. I would do mm. you know cable crossover. Um, something I'm really like emphasizing the fact that you know I want to make sure that this is going to be involved when I go into you know powering out a heavy weight over my head. Yeah, go ahead. That, well, I just want to. Keep going on what he's saying right there because that is such a major, major point. It's something that I do always. Um, I anytime before I do chest or shoulders, mm-hmm, chest too, yeah, 100%. I'm either one starting with a very um, a light like rear fly, or I'm doing band pull aparts, or I'm doing some sort of a mobility drill that's really going to activate my rear delts, my rhomboids, my traps, get them all activated so I can engage. And, and keep myself in a, a retracted position when I'm going to do a press of it or of any kind. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it is very, and I, I notice this now more than I ever noticed. Like when I do like a bench press, if I get right under and do it, and, it, and even having good mechanics and knowing form, if I just get under a bench press and I start benching and I start increasing weight, increasing weight, as soon as I start to get up there with a bit of challenging weight, I can feel the stress in my in my shoulders. Right. If I make sure that I do band pull aparts, or I'll even do like speed rows with just the bar. So I'll go over like a like a chest right like over a bench. I'll grab just the forty five pound bar and I'll do speed rows and really concentrate on just exploding back, squeezing the shoulder blades together and do like three sets of that to get that firing activated then i get under the bench night and day difference mm-hmm. night and day yeah difference. just by activating the opposing mm-hmm. side yeah because it just gets you it gets you realigned right before you get yeah. yourself in a or neutral. even a little bit like the power lifters do an excessive arch you know going into that bench and i'll flirt with that a little bit but i found sort of a hybrid to that where i, I feel nice and comfortable with my shoulders as retracted as possible but like when i'm actually benching it you immediately feel like the dispersion of the force so it's not like just stopping right there on my shoulder mm-hmm. so one thing you want to you want to consider also with the deltoids is if you just look at the isolated function of the deltoid it's really about moving the humerus the upper arm um, and for example the posterior head of the deltoid the, the rear shoulder attaches at the scapula so really if we were just to work the posterior deltoid it's actually a pretty small movement but uh, mm-hmm. the shoulder itself when we're working the shoulder very rarely 
does it operate at you know at, the, at this you know frozen position where just the humerus is moving? Yes. The scapula plays a huge role in shoulder in shoulder movements in whether I'm doing a, you know an overhead press, even a side lateral, even a rear fly, even a front raise. The scapula is quite involved. It's not sitting frozen in position. It's either stabilizing mm-hmm. or it's moving, you know, and allowing Shifting the humerus to, to 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 move into so- move through the socket in a particular way and to the the joint socket. So when you're when you're examining the shoulder and how to how to move it properly, really what you really want to look at is how do I get my scapula mm-hmm. to move properly within right. within movements. For example, an overhead press. You want the scapulated to be able to sit down in the shoulder girdle and pull back a little bit and give you a nice, nice, tight, stable structure. They call that the shoulder girdle, so that you could press overhead. If I if I try to press overhead, but I don't work with my scapula, if I if I freeze my scapula in position, I'm not going to go up very far. My range of motion is going to be severely limited. This is very common when you see a guy, yes. especially you see him, the, the big buff dude sitting at the 90-degree bench doing a seated uh, barbell press. And what do they look like? He's pausing at 90 degrees, and then he's pressing up. He's looking up at the bar. Elbows I are was, super I, out. I was taught this way. Yeah. Yeah. I was taught the, the flared-out elbows come down to 90 degrees, look up at the bar. I remember teaching that, you know what I'm saying, as yeah. you press. And it's like... So opposite and so bad, and and it- it's horrible for the shoulders. If you look, if you examine the structure of the shoulder, and by the way, we're comparing good form to good form. Okay, so bad form is worse. It's worse than either one of them done well. In other words, if I go down, my elbow's bent to ninety degrees, and I'm got, I'm pretty stable. That's better than doing good form, with, you know, or, or good uh, positioning with shitty form. So we're comparing good to good, apples to apples. If you look at the position of the humerus of the arm, and I'm coming down at ninety degrees. The action of my shoulder and my and stabilization, the way I'm stabilizing, is literally jamming my arm into my shoulder socket in order to press it up. That flared out position, the reason why you have to stop at 90 degrees is you go any lower and you're causing impingement. You're causing issues at the shoulder joint. Really, when you're doing a full shoulder press, a proper full shoulder press, it is a full movement. I'm coming down below my chin, down mm-hmm. to my upper chest. My elbows end up tucking at yep. the bottom, and as I press, they may flare out a little bit as I'm pressing up, and then when I press up, my arms, my humerus is even is, is either next to my head or even slightly behind my head. Mm-hmm. And and the best position you can look at Olympic lifters at, at like really good Olympic lifters at the top of a press, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They're straight as a line, and their head yeah. is maybe even slightly forward from their arms mm-hmm. versus really really tight you know bodybuilders who work out in the gym they press above their head elbows bent at 90 degrees and they're arching back and looking up it's almost like a high incline chest press with the way a lot of these guys press yeah. in fact i've seen some of these guys set the inc- set the bench to have a slight incline mm-hmm. so they can do their press and hammer strength has a machine like that have you seen the front the front press of the military press yeah. one not the behind the neck one but yeah. the it's designed almost like. Well, it's exactly what you're describing. Exactly. I mean, they're they're doing what they're doing and promoting is the skill set, like based off of the exercises they're doing. So the capacity for range of motion, they're presetting by the uh, frequency of the movement patterns they're they're uh, uh, doing mm-hmm. in a sense. And so, yeah, like Olympic lifters, if you're if like you're you're 
shoulder, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice if you aren't going through that full range of motion and you're locking out at that capacity where, you know, but you're supported because you've done all the work to drive the force down and you're packing the shoulder properly. So what's interesting, so I, I year, for years, that's what I did, like what Adam was talking about. I would press down to 90 degrees. I'd do it seated, elbows out, like we were taught, whatever. And very rarely would I come up to a full, like, lockout at the top where everything feels tight and strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I would go do other movements, like I would, I would take a yoga class, I'd get into a downward dog, and I would just get fatigued as hell in my shoulders mm-hmm. because I wasn't used to stabilizing myself in this straight position. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm looking at all these dudes and ladies in the yoga studio, and their rest is downward dog. They could sit in this fully extended position yep. and just chill. That's how they rest. And I'm like, how can you rest like that? Why are my shoulders so tight? I know I'm stronger. So uh, fast forward, you know, training uh, using kettlebells for my shoulder presses, which, by the way, if you do military presses or, or standing shoulder presses, which is it's, it's like the bench press of the, for the shoulder or the deadlift for the shoulders or upper body. It's a fundamental exercise. If you're doing that with a barbell, I highly recommend you learn how to do a kettlebell press uh, one-arm kettlebell press as well because it will really teach you how to maintain tall locked out posture and and be able to rotate your hand as you come down yeah it allows your shoulder to move in its natural path it, it encourages it and in order, in order to press the kettlebell properly you have to have that so everything got- we've talked about so far is in the sagittal plane and you know in the frontal plane so let's talk about the transverse plane and let's talk about rotation of the shoulders. This is a whole nother dimension that the shoulder brings in movement capacity with internal external rotation. Yeah. You're talking about now the stabilizers of the shoulder. And you know, if we get, so we're, we're talking about, okay, you have good scapular mobility that comes from proper overhead pressing that comes from proper one arm overhead pressing. It comes from uh, doing mobility drills like shoulder dislocates with a stick. Mm-hmm. For example, that's a good movement. Um, but now Justin is talking about strengthening the, the things that stabilize the humerus or the upper arm, uh, the internal external rotators. So when people tear their rotator cuff, when you hear that all the time, like I tore my rotator cuff. Yeah. What ends up, what they really mean is, is they tore, uh, you know, either the, the infraspinatus or the supraspinatus right off of the the cuff or the edge or the rim of the shoulder blade. And the reason why they tore it was this little tiny stabilizer muscle was not strong enough to keep up with. The pecs and the lats and all these strong, too much force on the stabilizer. And so if you're a heavy lifter and you train consistently with weights, with the big movements, if you neglect doing some direct work on those muscles, your shoulders will lose stability over time and you can cause, you can cause problems. I, this happened to me years ago. Again, um, I used to be able to throw a ball pretty far, a baseball, a, you know, sn- a snowball, a football, whatever. I just had a good arm when I was a kid. <laughs> even act, though, don't act like you threw a ball. I did throw a ball, bro. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I wasn't, at, I wasn't sports, but I actually Snow, had a good arm. Snowball, snowball. <laughs> I hit, yeah, I could hit a. What is that? What did uh, they say in Star Wars? I could hit a something off the. What? I don't remember. Anyway, so how dare you throw a random Star Wars thing at me? I don't even know what it is. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so I used to be able. To, I used to be able to throw. Have a, I had a pretty good arm, and then I started lifting weights, and then years later I went to throw a ball, and I hurt my shoulder. Oh, I bet. I hurt my shoulder. I couldn't fucking believe I hurt my shoulder. I couldn't throw anymore, um, and it was because I had weak those internal external rotators that were really really weak. Yeah. So it's that's an important component. I would say uh, you probably want to include some kind of work. For those muscles, um, at least once a week. I yeah. Mean, how often do you guys well, do that? Yeah, it, I guess it just really depends on what it's you're doing. It's part of my warm-up. Yeah, because it, 
I, I notice it uh, contributing a lot, especially with overhead press or anything else that I'm doing. Um, you know, once the weight really drives up, uh, I, I need all that extra bit of stability that I can get. And also, too, it just helps to keep everything uh, uh, loose and, and lubricated and functioning properly. I feel like otherwise, like it builds up like when I'm doing presses all the time or I'm benching a lot more uh I mean anybody can realize that you're gonna feel that tension build up to where you feel like oh my god okay this is getting like hard on the joints and you know the only way to really surpass that and to gain new levels of performance is to do all these little nuanced things to make sure that it's rotating properly to make sure that you're taking it through full range of motion and and getting you know proper function out of your shoulder so that way as your strength increases with your major muscles everything's kind of built up mm-hmm. with it so I, I would say for people listening right now um, probably the easiest thing you could possibly do to dramatically Im- improve your or the gains of your shoulders to be able to see uh, results on your shoulders is this very very simple. Take your presses because you uh, I guarantee you probably do presses. You work your shoulders out. You do some kind of a press, whether it's a dumbbell or a barbell press or whatever. And if not your knucklehead. Yeah, needs to be you, you better be doing presses. Um, but if you're doing presses, which I think most of you are, uh, lighten your weight uh, by a significant amount. Drop a lot of your weight, maybe even half, maybe even cut your weight in half. And all you got to do is focus on a really full range of motion. Now, here's why I think you, you need to cut your weight way down, okay? If you're working within a particular range of motion and then you all of a sudden increase it by three inches um, and, you're, and, you even, and you're even thinking to yourself, like, I'm going to take a little weight off, but I'm going to challenge myself a little bit. Don't do that because your shoulder stability and that extra three inches is poor yeah. and you will hurt yourself. You literally have to back way down and just exaggerate the range of motion. And I promise you'll feel those shoulders working Mm -hmm. like you've never felt them before. That alone, just that by itself, uh, within a very short period of time, you'll see better, you know, better results in terms of how your shoulders look. Oh, I I did a post. um, This was, I don't know, a few months back. And it's a it's a post of me in a seated in a seated uh, 90 degree bench um, press behind a barbell press behind my head. And I did it with 45, so I did 135 behind my head, and it was a big deal for me. And like that, that's what the post was talking about. That that was a, a big uh, milestone for me. And you know, it sucks something like that. I mean, it's not a big deal because someone's like, "That's not impressive weight or anything like to really get all excited about." But for me, when I started doing that movement, I had to drop all the way down to just the bar, just mm-hmm. to be able to get the range of motion. Yes, mm-hmm. because I and and that was the whole purpose of that movement was I really am trying to train that scapula to stay in that retracted position. So I'd sit upright on the bench and actually scoot away from the bench. And I really would only sit at the bench just so I could really concentrate on on squeezing the scapula. I mean, I'm, we're we're all fans of a standing overhead press as as the number one staple movement for a shoulder. But at the, the, the 90-degree bench, it allowed me to kind of sit there and really concentrate on peeling the shoulders back while I sat down and mm-hmm. stayed stabilized. And I could focus on my form, watch myself in the mirrors. I'm going up and down. And, you know, for every week, I would just, you know, add 5 to 10 pounds, 5 to 10 pounds. But I started with a 45 pounds. And to work my way all the way up to 135, that was a huge win for me to be able to do it. But it will progress. It will catch up. And it will catch up a lot faster than most people think. But like you said... It is a must that you start super, super light. It's amazing. If you haven't taken that muscle through that full range of motion, it doesn't take much weight mm-hmm. for the body to respond to it. No, and It's you, not used to it. And you know yeah. what? Proper shoulder pre- uh, pressing 
whether it's like Adam's talking about behind the neck, which, by the way, if you have great shoulder mobility, is not bad. If you have bad shoulder mobility, horrible exercise. That's why, okay, and that's a good point because yeah. we were taught not to teach that exercise because of the risk factor. The risk versus reward is a, is 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 not as good as a standard overhead press. However, if you've got good shoulder mobility, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, and all. I I would like to point out that you know if you're somebody and you you saw that that exercise on my Instagram, or if you're somebody who's listening, going like I don't think I can do that. You it should be a goal for you to get to the point where you can do that. Start with so, a broomstick. Yeah, exactly. Start with a, a PVC pipe. Yeah, Fuck. just to move through that. Exactly. Like you, that is a, a movement pattern that you want. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to pull your shoulder blades back enough to where you can put a piece of pipe or bar behind your head. That should be natural, but yeah. it's not for a lot of us. Because we've curved and shaped the body. So if you're listening to this right now and you can't do that, don't just say, I can't do that. You know, start addressing that mobility to the mm-hmm. point where you can. And that's what, what the whole point of the post was like, hey, this is a big win for me. I'm actually doing decent weight, 135 pounds, where I had to start with a goddamn well, you bar. Can, you can progressively increase your range of motion just like you progressively gain strength. I mean, people just don't address it with those with that mindset. It's another form of progression. It is. There is. It's not just about progressing, you know, uh, how much weight you lift or how many reps you do. You can progress through your range of motion. So keep this in mind. If I'm doing squats and I'm squatting with 100 pounds and next and I did 10 reps and next week I want to progress, I can add 10 pounds to the bar if I wanted to or I could add an inch to my range of motion. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make it more intense and it's going to and to be honest with you, that's probably the first place you should go yep. before you add weight is really working on range of motion and aiming for a full range of motion. So rather than adding weight to the bar, all you're doing is you're measuring a range of motion and get you have to be able to get as excited with increases in range of motion as you would with more with adding more weight because I promise you to be honest with you the more range of motion with the same weight is more valuable than more weight at the same range of motion. Yep. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And if you progress at that rate here's what's going to happen number one the end result will be you're going to be stronger anyway okay so by adam starting with the bar and focusing on uh uh, range of motion and working his way up to 135 pounds he's a lot stronger now than had he not done that and just focused on adding weight so at the end at the end of the day basically it's more effective for strength it's also at the end of the day more effective for aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. There's no. There's no. I don't know if there's any studies. Well, there's some studies that show that full range of motion uh, activates more muscle fibers and whatever than shorter range of motion. But from my experience, and and I'll challenge you to find any trainer that disagrees. Like, I uh, I've only seen bodies develop better from an aesthetic point of view with fuller range of motion versus shorter ranges of motion. So uh, here's the other thing too, Adam. Uh, when we're talking about behind the neck press and we're talking about shoulder press, standing shoulder press, and all these different movements, how big of a role does the mid, upper mid back play in healthy shoulders? Oh yeah, huge. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's huge, right? I would say that's probably one of the number one reasons why people have uh, poor shoulder mobility. I mean, when you guys do an assessment right, you and you do a row it. assessment, nobody yeah. does a row properly. No, it's they that all weak elevate mid- their shoulders, elevate and... shoulders, forward shoulders. Yeah, for so, so that all contributes to not being able to, you know, move through the full range of motion. Well, I feel like we we've done a really good do- dub job of addressing <laughs> of addressing. Um, mobility and you know getting realigned and focusing on that what are some of the things and i'm really interested to hear you guys i know i have mine because of course this is my world is the whole aesthetic driven thing is 
Do you guys have tips on for you either personally building shoulders or for clients as far as, you know, specific exercises or go to moves or the do's or don'ts that you guys have found over years with building shoulders? Yes. uh, So two things for me. Number one, really nice full range of motion motion shoulder presses with kettlebells, dumbbells, Mm -hmm. barbells, one arm at a time. Um, and then, and then finishing the, the movement uh, while sta- holding my arm straight up and actually holding it for two or three seconds and stabilizing everything and then coming all the way down. That's made a big difference. That has happened later later on in my life because I didn't focus on those things in the beginning. So my shoulders now look better than they ever have, and that's one of the reasons. But here's the other thing, too, is I would focus on heavy presses, and then some workouts I would start with lots of isolation movements, and then I would go to the, sh- to the presses afterwards. Mm. So I would start with a rear fly, a side, you know, lateral, and then I would go work on my presses with lighter weight. And this kind of pre-exhaust uh, little technique, um, it does change things up a little bit. And I noticed when I do that, um, when I would, when I started incorporating that, and it's probably because it's a different stimulus. Um, you know, it's a different approach to exercise. Most people don't do it that way. Most people start with the compound movement first. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way to to change up the workout. When I started doing that. I noticed good results. And then lastly, the shoulder tricep connection is very strong. In other words, m- most exercises we do that for the shoulders that are compound involve the triceps. But there are movements that and, and here's the thing with muscles, they pair up usually really well with another muscle group and sometimes when you pair them up with another muscle, um, it's a different stimulus and you sometimes get uh, some new results. So again, shoulders and triceps very common. Shoulders and biceps very uncommon, but there's some exercises like an upright row or high pulls or you know uh, you know part of a clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, those movements work the shoulders and shoulder girdle very effectively. Don't activate the triceps; they activate the biceps. And so at one point, I got really good at full range of motion. Again, you have to have good shoulder mobility, but full range of motion uh, upright row type movements and high pulls, and that really kicked my shoulder you know development to higher gear. Well, I think too, like for me. I mean, it was a plethora of things that really helped aid and because shoulders were an issue for me for a long time. And so, uh, like Sal had mentioned with, with kettlebell presses, and then I got really into kettlebells, but thinking about like really about the benefits of it, uh, for me, it was understanding, uh, the movement capacity for my shoulder and where my hinges were and where like my weak points were, uh, within the movements. And so, one thing that that um, like you see people doing stuff like a Turkish getup, or you see people doing, uh, maybe you see people. I guess you guys probably don't see this very often, but somebody's uh, carrying an overhead position and they're just stabilizing it and they're walking with it, or mm. they're carrying they're carrying it in the rack position, or they're doing farmer carries. So the rack position is when you've got the dumbbells or kettlebells up against your body, right? Up against your body, and you're folding it like into your chest, and you're just and walking keeping everything in. And walking, uh, the I reason is it, it reinforces this, uh, you know, the stabilizing um, a force. Right now, I'm connecting to that, and I'm also connecting to it when it's overhead. And these are all. It's it's definitely sending a louder signal for when I'm going into my press. I, I feel supported already from the start to the finish. And, and overhead, for I know for a lot of people is the problem, right? When it's overhead, it's it gets a little wobbly and shaky. And uh, just 
you know, doing things like that to, to, to emphasize the, the fact that you're supported uh, will, will increase, you know, the feeling you get when you, when you lift anything over your head like tenfold. And uh, so I just learned something right now. Like, I never even considered uh, do, I mean, if I saw it, I wouldn't think it was crazy, but I never considered just holding it and doing and moving, walking, and moving and walking or holding it in the rack position. Right. I'm going to do that uh, next workout because that makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And I, I've, I, I don't know if I, I guess I haven't shared that before, but yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. And, uh, and also, like you said, like some days I'll, I'll isolate it. And when I was going through the competition more and trying to really build up and get a more aesthetic look to him because it, you know, there's definitely an aesthetic look you can build up to where you get that nice line and, and, sure. it, and it looks, you know, more presentable. Uh, but yeah, using those techniques, but now I'm also like, uh, um, I'm pre exhausting, you know, I'm making sure like I'm, I'm doing my band pull aparts, I'm getting my rear delts uh, activated. But, you know, I'm also, I used a lot of bands too, just because of the fact that I could get. Uh, resistance going through like an eccentric portion of the lift a lot, you know, whereas before with weights, sometimes you don't concentrate on that enough. So there's just things like that, that I, if I'm not doing it, if I'm not being explosive with my shoulders, that's what I don't need to do. I need to, and my shoulder will immediately build because, you know, whatever I'm not incorporating or haven't done for a long time, you know, it's going to stimulate a new uh, building process. Well, again, if you look at athletes, uh, very rarely do you see an Olympic lifter who doesn't have an excellent, a well-developed back and shoulders, and very rarely do you see a gymnast that doesn't have amazing exactly. biceps and shoulders. And it's just, uh, it's that full range of motion movement that they're constantly doing or supporting themselves um, uh, that I think is developing the shoulders so well. I'm going to incorporate that. What about you, Adam? Man, shoulders are um, shoulders have been a fun one for me. It was uh, a major lagging body part for me. I remember when I had a, a female bodybuilder tell me that in my early 20s, made me feel like shit. I had her. She, I'm like, yo, what do you think of my my overall physique? She's like, well, you know, you've got good arms, but your shoulders are terrible. <laughs> just straight up, totally. <laughs> no, and I was just just all sad after that. Here, I'm gonna give you a complex. But but the funny part was <laughs> that was the first time, totally. That was the first time I ever was assessed by like a bodybuilder. And I was only like 22 at the time, and I didn't even look at my own arms that way. I looked at them and I thought because I had big arms, buys and tries, I thought I had these big arms, and that's actually how she said it at first. She said, you need to work on your arms, and I thought to myself like. Pfft, Get out of here. You know, I work Have you arms. seen these pythons? And she was referring bitch? to my shoulders, and especially my rear delts is what she said. She said, you know, you really need to bring out your rear delts more. And that was the moment that I really started to put emphasis on it. And I used to totally neglect them, and even as a trainer, because I my mentality was when I do a lot of pushing exercises like chest and things like that my my anterior delts are getting worked when i do a lot of rowing and a lot of you know back exercises my uh, posterior delts are getting worked so i'd throw laterals in there every once in a while and that was it you know that was pretty much my shoulder workouts uh, and i really didn't put emphasis on them until that time once i started putting uh, emphasis on it, and at that point um that was back when i was doing body part splits so i just started to make a whole shoulder day i started playing with all different movements and movements for me that the biggest, and I have gone through phases of like really watching my shoulders develop more, growing or changing as far as the shape. Um, focusing on the rear delts was big, number one, because it is probably the, and it's very small muscle. It's small in comparison to the anterior delt. The anterior deltoid gets really more developed than the, the posterior deltoid. And of course, genetics play a role for everybody, but I think that's a, uh, a, a lagging piece to most people's shoulders. So I began to, um, all, anytime I touched shoulders, there was always at least one, if not two exercises in there that was addressing the rear delts. 
Uh, that helps a lot. I, I love a just a, a standard uh, rear fly with dumbbells, uh, especially if you have one of those uh, benches where you can just rest your chest on it to keep you you know stabilized while you can really concentrate mm-hmm. on doing that movement properly. Um, I love a uh, rear cable fly where I'm bent over at 90 degrees and I'm actually pulling all the way through um, in, on, on the cable so it keeps constant tension on it the entire time. It helps me really focus. So those are my two go-to rears. Um, and actually my my press that I love, a hanging clean to a press, I felt develop my shoulders more than anything. So you so you do you clean every time you do a press? Yes. So clean press, clean yeah. press. Clean press. Now were you doing a proper clean? Yeah. Okay. Not a full, not full from the ground. No, hang, no, no, but I mean a hang clean. clean. Yep. But I mean a proper mm-hmm. flip and then see there's that power, like that stimulus you need. It's that pull. Yeah, it's yeah. the upper pull. Like yeah. I was just yeah. saying with yeah. upright yeah. rows. Yeah. Upright yes. rows too, yeah. That move that move built my shoulders like nothing else has. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Hands down, that has been like the number one builder for me. And then one more little tip I think that I I do, and I don't remember where I first read this or what, but you know, I, it made a lot of sense when I came across it is a lot of people that do uh, trying to build the laterals up, um, you know, they, they go heavier, 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 heavier trying to build them. And they're it's such a small movement and it's so easy to incorporate a bunch of other muscles trying to perform that movement. A lateral? Yes. A lateral turns into uh, it turns into a trap yes. exercise. Turns into trap and forearm and, and hip hinging. Yes. Like power He's, up. You know, you, know, you know what they'd go from, right? This is what they do. They go from depressed scapula to elevated scapula. Depressed yep. scapula to elevated. That's how they do the laterals. Right. Really, the, 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 the side head of the deltoid is moving the humerus. So you want to move the humerus come up it's it's a shorter mo- movement and if i see somebody using if i see a strong dude using more than 30 35 pounds of side side laterals it's usually because they're doing them wrong yeah exactly. very rarely 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah it does not and so i actually stopped a long time ago doing side laterals heavy at all really yeah ever how heavy I do you I know? don't either I, dude I, I merely I rarely ever like go over 20, 20, 20 25 pounds yeah, like 20s. but I reps repetition yeah. and frequency do you ever so side laterals and then I, change up a lot of your your stimulus like if it's with like the cable or the or rubber band uh, yes exactly yeah. or a barbell type version of it yeah, yeah. no I'm always changing uh, where where how or angles but um you know when I'm going through maps black is maps black when we when I first started competing uh shoulders was one of my focus points because on the stage for sure the bigger those shoulder caps are definitely comes out so and side laterals were uh definitely the the focus for me and what i would do is i would i would just three four times a week i was doing the lateral raises just really light but frequency 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 just stimulating stimulating and concentrating on my form and really trying to isolate that part of the muscle otherwise you get caught up in lifting super heavy weight and everything else takes over it's not an exercise that lends itself well to heavy weight some exercises just aren't made for heavy weight and that's that's one of them i feel the same thing goes for auxiliary i feel the same thing kind of goes for uh the uh, posterior i think it's correct it's uh, not an exercise that's supposed to be yeah if not your rhomboids and traps really getting Mm. incorporated a lot of guys Mm. really end up retracting the the shoulders and squeezing the shoulder blades together to rock it turns into a funny row it does it's not it's not it's not a rear rows is where you can go heavy it's not the rear lateral right yes And here's how about this? You ever try this with the side lateral? Here's something I learned from the physical therapist that I work with because it does work on a different form of uh, a different part of shoulder mobility. And I noticed when I would do it, first of all, when I first tried it, it was very difficult. Then when I was able to do it, um, 
I, I have never felt anything hit my side delts like this exercise right here. So it's like a side lateral. The difference is my my palms are pronated, mm. so they're completely pronated. So they're not they're not facing uh you know they're not facing down. They're facing back behind me. So my pinkies are up. You dump the milk out. Yeah, and but I'm not mm. coming up. I'm I'm staying that way uh. the whole time. Elbows flared out. It's a very short mo- movement. Um, and it hits the side delts like nothing I've ever done. Oh. I call them scarecrows. I, I call that dumping the milk out. But I don't. Tw- but I don't. I don't pronate at the top. It stays that way. I call so it jerking off two random guys. So so even at the bottom like this, I'm starting with my palms facing back, and I come up and move down that entire the, the whole the whole rep is when my palms. Yeah, facing you're back. you're dumping the milk out before you get to the top. And it it hits the side delts like nothing I've ever done before. Mm. It's one of the best isolation movements. Mm. Here's the thing too. We talked a little bit about cables. Uh, Shoulders are probably if you if I had to pick one body part that worked well with a machine and I'm using I'm, cables are a machine technically so I'm talking about cables here it's the delts I can't think of any other muscle that you could really develop with uh, well uh, with with machine quote unquote machines um, like you can the shoulders and that's because cables allow uh, different angles of of pull and wide ranges and yeah, full ranges free, of motion. Yeah, it's very free and it's perfect for the shoulder, which is like it's like the hip joint of the upper body, right? It moves in so many different directions, and cables allow for that. So, um, if you, you can do scaption, you can do all oh, kinds yeah. of different. Like, you could have fun, man. If you really want to add volume and frequency to your shoulder training, get in a cable machine and have fun with all the Grab different angles. Those, yeah, free motion machine and go go bananas yeah, with all the different just angles. Just have fun. Go light. You know, you, yes. all you're doing is adding frequency and volume. You know, of course, you, you, by this point, you should have already been doing your, your heavy presses and stuff, your big, you know, movements. But do some, have some fun with the cables um, and go real light and watch what happens to your shoulders. <laughs> I think that right there, because it's kind of a combination of what I was trying to say with what did it for me when I was competing was... You know, stick to your found on your foundational days and maps. You have your your big presses, your big movements, but then on all the other days, you know, go light, go light, controlled, free motion, and just mess with angles and reps, reps, hit, and hit frequencies. All those different like movements. This is, uh, I mean, what you're talking about basically is how you know uh, our maps programs are designed because you have the trigger sessions with maps red, right, where you do small move, you do light movements several times a day on the off days, and then black, which is focus sessions. Very similar, but you go in and you add volume and frequency, and uh, those cable movements are excellent for adding volume and frequency to your 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 big you know gross motor movement exercises like your your presses. So, uh, listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five star rating review on iTunes. Also, go to mindpumpmedia.com. We have all of our programs available there, and including there's testimonials. You can hear what people have to say about our programs. You can also find us on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Adam is at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee 
and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.